Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Another episode of Mysteries of the Unexplained. It is me, William. Joining me is my gorgeous, ravishing, ravishing co-host, Anne-Marie Gann. How are you, Anne-Marie? Mm, highly blessed and truly favoured. I'd like to apologise to everyone for my long absence from Facebook. I was banned from <laughs> Facebook for report, reportedly um, uh, posting in... in uh, what's the word? Um, pictures of your Nunu. Yeah, pictures of my Nunu, which I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do it. I plead innocent. <laughs> but they, just one day, one day I went to log on and they were like, no, no, you've been suspended. <laughs> I was like, but I haven't posted anything in like months. <laughs> so that's why I haven't been active on the group. And the account's just gone. I can't get it back. Facebook won't talk to me. Somebody spent 100 quid on ads on my account. And um, I got a hecked. And so sorry I haven't been around and seen what's going on. But I did just create a new account. So I will be back chatting to you guys very soon. That's all I want to say. I will give the show back to you now. This, that just totally sounds like you decided to try and do like a little side hustle of selling like a pair of your knickers <laughs> and put up like some pictures immediately reported your account shut down and you spent 100 quid on ads and now you're just like, oh, I didn't even make a fiver back, which is what you were selling them for five, five euros or dollars a pair. But anyway, uh, we're not we're not here to talk about your little side hustles, your failed side hustles. You need to stop now, please, with this. Um, we have a little bit. We have a little bit of um, what's the word housekeeping to do before we get into today's story. The first thing we need to talk about is apparently loads of you listeners are on illicit substances and you don't like the new intro music, so we're going to have to revert hey. that back to the old one. I told you, I told the bitch the minute I heard it, I was like, that is fucking all kinds of crazy wrong. And thanks everyone for agreeing with me. And I would also like to say that Will made that executive decision without consulting me. So I do apologise. I'll be the one that decides. Excuse me. Excuse future. me. Thank I you. did. 
excuse me, I did try to send you a Facebook messenger message, but it obviously got lost. You did in your bollocks. You did in your bollocks. But anyway, listen, are you ready for a paranormal story today? Well, I'm I'm done with your other bullshit talk. Well, I bring you a story today which is called The Battle of Ape Canyon. (laughs) Stories of Bigfoot or Sasquatch encounters have seeped across the globe. But the story of one of the earliest reported sightings from the 1920s may be the most terrifying. By 1924, Mount St. Helens and the surrounding landscape were a hotspot for loggers and miners, scaring the land and earth for precious metals and raw materials that would either make them rich or, at worst, put food on the table. The town of Kelso, situated nearby, was the real benefactor of this hype. It had a roaring economy. Brothels and taverns flourished. The town even earned the nickname Little Chicago, Most nights, Kelso was filled with loggers and miners looking to de-stress after a hard day's work. Working her daily shift at the Kelso Tavern was a woman named Little Lady Gan. It was a typical night, busy as usual. A few fights, but nothing I couldn't handle. They call me Little Lady Gan, but I sure can't handle some of the big guys. At about 10.30pm, five men entered the bar ordered some drinks, and slowly I started to notice men were being drawn over to what these five guys were talking about. So I began to eavesdrop. Mm-hmm. With my big titties. I don't know why, but I've got big titties. Yeah, I've definitely got big titties. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Big brazier, bit smelly too. Five miners sat in the corner of the bar retelling a story with other patrons hanging on their every word. Well, these things were at least seven foot tall, fellas. Black matted fur across the body, strong as all hell. Heck, they must have been about 400 pounds, I reckon. And so, the story goes. Five men by the names of Marion Smith, his son Roy, Gabe Lefevre, John Peterson and Fred Beck had been drawn to the foothills surrounding Mount St. Helens, hoping to find gold. The men had set up a makeshift cabin on the banks of the River Lewis, where they had been residing for several weeks. So far, they had been quite productive, and spirits were high. It was around this time that an uneasy feeling began to creep in. At first, the men said that they felt as if they were being watched. This feeling started to grow stronger each day, leaving them feeling on the edge. One of the men told the group that he had seen mysterious tracks around 14 inches in length with four toe imprints in the hard, dusty ground when he was returning to the cabin one evening. Another said that they had seen tall shadows moving through the forest but couldn't quite make out their complete form. One morning, a letter was found underneath the door of the cabin which read Dear occupants of the makeshift cabin do you know who lives in the foothills that surround you? Have you met my friends that love the trees and dark crevices so severely? You've been quite busy robbing the mountain of her treasures. Her guardians are none too pleased. Careful fellas you don't want to anger the beasts now do you? 
Will you survive the night of being lost? <laughs> Your silence is freaking me out, but I will continue. Will you survive the night or be lost in the darkness? Will your screams be heard by neighbours or just the sleeping forest? You've been warned, the Watcher. This part of the story is actually fiction. However, I thought it was time I reappeared, as I've been a few episodes into the season and I crave the attention. It's mad as now he appeared in this story, even though it was years before. Oh my god. Yeah, it's mad nice. how it coincided with a with a Netflix show that's gained popularity about the Watcher as well, and you're trying to fucking scrape up any kind of <laughs> any kind of fame that you can. You're a little little fame hungry gold digging bastard. And how much how much money how much money are we making for it? No, fuck all. <laughs> fuck you, Netflix. <laughs> fuck you. We had it first. <laughs> On the afternoon of Friday the 11th of July 1924, the men ate a late lunch and headed up into the hills to pan for gold. Not far from the mountain base, they encountered four hideous-looking beasts descending the mountain. Fred Beck described them as huge gorillas with thick, black, matted fur, weighing approximately 400 pounds and 7 feet in height. Both parties seemed to be taken aback by each other. They stood motionless for a few moments. Fred Beck reported that some of the men fell backwards, clambering in fear on the ground at what they had encountered. I love the way Fred is just like, oh, some of the the men, they fell back, but I just, I stood strong in front of these four, 400 pounds, seven foot high gorilla men. The other other guys were like little kittens on the ground. Sounds like Fred Beck was looking for Zaddy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) One of the beasts eventually stepped forward and let out an unearthly howling growl, frustrated that its path was being blocked by the men. This prompted Beck to fire his gun in the direction of the beast. The gunshot rang out, echoing off the surrounding mountains. Beck fired four shots in total, the last of which sent one of the creatures tumbling off the side of the mountain. This infuriated the remaining beasts, who let out piercing roars. Do you want to add in a little sound audio for us? (laughs) Oh, 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 oh! Okay, that'll be edited out. Uh... (laughs) The men quickly fled, racing back down the foothills to the safety of a cabin as they did however numerous shadowy figures emerged from caves and fissures they had passed along the way upon reaching the cabin the men quickly barricaded themselves inside and prayed that the creatures hadn't followed them back they were wrong not long after the men began to hear noises outside rocks pounded the cabin walls The wood cracked and split under the immense pressure. Suddenly, one of the barricaded windows burst open. It was little Lady Gan. Hi, boys. I heard that there's some big, hairy, sexy-looking beasts in the area, and I'm just coming to see, do any of them looking for a little lady? (laughs) But little little did she realise that the men were just holding up a mirror to her. (laughs) One creature tried to get inside, prompting Roy Smith to grab his axe and lunge at the beast. 
but his efforts were futile. With one swift swoop, he was thrown against the wall by the beast. Roy's father managed to grab his pistol, which drove the beast back. The men quickly boarded up the window again. For a moment, everything was silent. Suddenly, a small boulder came crashing through the roof, landing on the cabin floor. Then another, and another, and another. It was at this time that Fred Beck says that he was rendered unconscious for two hours. And when he woke, the attack was still going on. How annoying would that be? <laughs> that would if you got knocked out and you how long have I been out two hours oh it's still going on fucking hell hit me over the head again please just I wouldn't like to wake up like two hours later and you're still your, your little cabin's still been like upended I mean how how little was this cabin if it wasn't upended in two hours I'm like what did they possibly have left to demolish I just lie there pretend to still be unconscious I'd be like oh, I'm no I'm dead I'm dead no no you needn't come for me meanwhile meanwhile the Bigfoots are like oh no we've killed the dog <laughs> you're the fucking dog you're the dog in this equation <laughs> this attack lasted hours the men say until dawn broke Once they decided it was safe to do so, they quickly left the cabin and made their way to Kelso, finding themselves in a tavern retelling the story. Listening to them were two park rangers by the names of J.H. Huffman and Bill Welch. After some drinks, Huffman and Welch persuaded some of the men to bring them back up the mountain to investigate the area. It is said that the rangers were unimpressed by the strange footprints close to the cabin, but decided to take measurements to entertain the men. It wasn't until they were led to the cabin itself that they were said to be visibly taken aback. But what or who could have done such damage? Local and national media covered the encounter and dubbed it the Battle of Ape Canyon. Soon the tale became famous. People flocked to the area, but no other sighting of the creatures were ever reported. In the 1950s, the Seattle Times reported that they had uncovered the truth about the Battle of Ape Canyon. YMCA Camp Meehan claimed that they were the ones that attacked the cabin, full of drunk gold miners who thought their hells were some Bigfoot creature. So it does make sense. They were just hairy, like, hairy, furry bears. Beck never wavered from his story. While Marion and Roy Smith said savage beasts had attacked them that night, Beck claimed that the creatures were some sort of interdimensional beast. Is what he went on to say. <laughs> which reminded me of um, Father Ted. <laughs> Poor old Beck, yeah, he kind of went on and, and was thinking that it was um, definitely Bigfoot. And I, the other guys did think that too. Now, I have to say, full disclosure here, that, you know, while the account is well documented, the story changes a bit. So other yeah. other um, versions of the story tell of two men that were hunting, or not hunting, they were had found themselves up in the mountain in the trees and they seen this creature in the tree line and then they shot at it from quite a distance away. Um, and then could see it running through the trees, basically. And then the attack happened later on. So, I don't know. Uh, both stories do have that the cabin was attacked and, you know, these howling creatures were outside and bursted in through the window and 
were on top of the roof and they were shooting up through the roof and stuff which is very very interesting so you know there's a few different theories of what happened or what Uh, yeah yeah and if it's like if there was so many shots fired like were any of these things injured or did they get any hair or blood and if they did could they please send it to any gun southeast kilkenny in the republic of ireland should be very interested to have a sniff of it oh my god that is cretin <laughs> i went to sniff it thought you were like gonna say i was gonna run to tests on it maybe these fellas now just like maybe they they just met four other big hairy men there's a lot of hairy men in the world like they mightn't have been fucking beasts like they might have just been like big owl hairy lads out on a boys weekend they were on a stag they were on the stag out in the middle of the forest and everyone was after eating a few mushrooms and they all went mad you love tying it back to mushrooms and people eating mushrooms <laughs> and off their head it could it couldn't possibly be some sort of cryptid or like Bigfoot creature or something. No, no, no. It just has to be somebody off their head on mushrooms. Well, what, what, what is this what, vendetta you have? What is the more believable have? thing? Cryptid or mushrooms? Cryptid, mushrooms, cryptid, mushrooms. Cryptids. Cryptid. I also think like, it would have been some fucking cabin to withstand like, what, five hours of battlement. Should the thing have been levelled altogether? It'd be levelled. It'd be gone. So, and why did, did you see the cabin that these men the built? Men? No, you what? didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're just thinking of your mobile home being attacked by boulders and it would be in bits. <laughs> it would be in bits. I'm telling you. This I'm telling you, the house. few fucking crows, the few crows that are running around on the roof are doing a fairly good. If they keep tapping on the roof the way they are, they'll be down through it now within the space of weeks and I'll be homeless. I tell you, I will. They're attacking me again. They're forming like um, a little crew. They're like, kill, <laughs> Remember you had crows in Ardmore, they followed you. I know, they fucking followed me everywhere. Okay, so I think it might be, a, well, there's a, plausible explanation and then there's kind of a more sensational explanation um i think one of the theories could be that you know the men said this and went back to the town to spook any other like potential miners that were in the area that they wouldn't go up into this area to pan for gold because maybe they had come across like a good stream of you know gold in the rock or whatever uh-huh. um, and wanted uh-huh. it for themselves so it was like some harebrained idea that they came up with to do that maybe it actually was that YMCA camp Meehan that did it but but there is one other kind of weird incident that happened on the mountain a couple of um, decades later in August 1963 um, in the same area there was four mountaineers um, on Mount St Helens and they decided to stop at this area that's known as um, Dog's Head to rest for a minute. And this guy, Jim Carter, said that he would stay behind and take a picture of the other three men as they were kind of leaving. Do you know, like a shot of them? Do you know the way they used to do that years yeah. ago? It would be like a group shot. Yeah. So he decided to take a yeah. picture from afar back or whatever. And then the three other men realised that, oh, well, Jim, like, where's Jim gone? So they turned back and when they went back to the spot where they were, they could see that there was like this scuffle in the snow and discarded box of camera film. His trail went off in a totally different route from wherever they were, where they had gone. And when they followed it, it looked like he had been moving at speed. It was like that he was doing jumps and all this stuff, like really trying to get away from something very quickly. Where the track stopped was at this steep drop and they never found his body which is really weird. 
and they headed back to the town of Kelso to tell everybody about it and that was the end of poor Jim they never found him and it was a bit of a mystery so they don't know like he could have very easily obviously fallen over the edge of a cliff but the the scuffle in the snow looked like somebody something had attacked him or something the most interesting thing is in that area there's two tribes called the Calham and the Cowlet and they're two Native American tribes that lived in the area and they have writings that tell of this like strange and kind of elusive race referred to as the Shiatic and this race of hairy beings were said to possess supernatural abilities and they lived in the area they're about seven to eight feet tall and they had these like powers that they could hypnotize local tribes people um, and could like do ch- like charms and spells on humans and animals and they were able to kill people with mind control so they'd be able to like get in your head and make you kill yourself and they were widely believed to be nocturnal and they stayed in caves until dark right and then there was numerous incidences that they report these things used to like in the nighttime come along and take their dried meat and fish and sometimes ad- abduct like women and another like really unsettling thing about them was that they were classed as being trackers and they were able to mimic the voices of animals and and humans. Very, very, very creepy, very weird. Uh, over time, though, their sightings dropped and they kind of just faded into the background. But every now and then in that area, footprints are occasionally seen in the ground. But no one really knows where these supposed beings ever went or whether they were actually real in the first place. And... Oh my God, why didn't you just say that in the first place? Like, that's what they are. I I, I, I go with option that one, that one that you just said. That's what I think they are. Oh my God. Shit. <laughs> that's I think... it. That, that's it. That's it. That's what they are. Case closed. Case closed. We we continue the work of Angela Lansbury in the way that she would have wanted. We have found the killer. The killer is these mythical creatures that are from the folklore of the Native Americans. That's what it is. That's what it is. They've been around for ages. Those boys knew what they were. They started fucking around with the wrong lads. They said started disrespecting the land and taking too much and not giving enough back. And the boys came to fuck them up. But I, the only thing I'm wondering is why didn't they kill one of the men? Why didn't, like, in all of this, like, they didn't, they didn't kill. They didn't kill any of those miners. They didn't kill any of the miners, no. But maybe they just couldn't get in at them. They were afraid, like, because they did have guns in the cabin, so they were shooting at them, like. They're just kind of nice, like, they give you some change back. They're like, oh, look, we'll terrorise you there for a few hours, but, like, we won't actually mortally wound you. But don't do it again, lads, because you'll piss us off. Did you have a nice time on your holiday in the Northwest that summer? Wrap it up. Were you, were you camping and just... <laughs> very, very weird. I have to say, before I went to do this week's episode... I was like researching other stories and they were kind of forestry related, forests, forests, forestry, forest type related. I don't know what I'm trying to say. And one of the stories I came across was about like numerous disappearances, you know, in the woods of North America. And like there's mm-hmm. a high, there's a high percentage or whatever. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the cases was about, kind of ties into the interdimensional Bigfoot theory of Fred Beck there um, one oh. of the cases was about like a park ranger that was in a forest and he was walking along and he started to feel like a little bit weird 
and that everything had gone silent in the forest. So he decided to put his back up against a tree because he thought maybe a predator was in the area and the other animals were just being quiet, you know. So he decided to Mm -hmm. wait for a minute and then realised, oh, nothing is coming. This is a bit weird. And then he stood up and went to walk forward. And then he looked down and um, the bottom, like the top part of his shoe was completely gone. His foot like was completely gone. And he was like, what the heck? So he stepped back and his foot reappeared. And then he put his arm out and half of his arm was gone. And then he pulled it back in and then was like, what is going on? And then the then the uh, forest filled up with noise again. And then after a while, he decided to walk forward and he was fine. He reached a wormhole. Yes, everything is a fucking wormhole. Everything. Totally believe in wormholes after last um last week's episodes. I'm afraid to go down the road. Haven't left the house in the week. I haven't left the house in a week. I'm sending day. I'm I'm ordering stuff in from Tesco. There's van delivery van delivery guys. They can take their life in their hands if they want. But I ain't moving from here. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what ha- what happened to her? She's terrified of wormholes. <laughs> Uh, no no that, wasn't COVID-19 that did it at all it was it was the wormholes it was the wormholes well Annie that concludes this week's story I hope you guys liked it I hope you guys enjoyed it um, if you want to reach out to us you can do so probably on our Facebook uh, little super secret group uh, the link of which is yes. in the episode notes um, you can also find us on Instagram at mysteries of the unexplained pod and uh, yeah until next week you shall um, stay safe. Don't fall into any wormholes. And uh, no, that's a bad send off. So until next and, week, Annie. And and when well, we wash, have to wish everyone a happy Halloween, we have to we have to wish everyone a happy Halloween. Oh my God! Yeah, actually, happy Halloween. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween we love you guys. to all you spooky guys out there. Thank you so much for all your support since we came back. It's been a blast. It's so nice yeah, chatting to you guys again. And like I said, I'll be back on FB having a little having a little snoop around. See what you've been saying about me while I've been gone. Thanks so much for listening. Join us next week for another episode of Mysteries of the Unexplained. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.